0: Welcome to BFCN Shorts, where we talk to coaches who have worked all around the world. Our guest today is Liam Arkley, who is here to tell us about Japan. Enjoy. Liam, thank you for coming on. How are you doing today?
1: Yeah, good. Uh, Just been a day off, so just finished the gym. Back in for this call. Well, oh, brilliant. We appreciate your time. So tell us where
0: have you come to speak to us about today?
1: Uh, I'm in uh, Osaka in Japan just now. Um, so fair for anyone that doesn't know Osaka, it's uh, Tokyo is on this side of the country, and Osaka is kind of here. Then south, north, kind of central near Kyoto. Um, I've been here for about
0: 11 months now 11 months how are you finding it so far
1: Uh, it was initially tough as as any new country is in any new city that you might move to um but i found that through the early stages of it being like rough and you're figuring things out um money wise and figuring out where you are um I'm now used to it and maybe maybe it's really got its hands on me now.
0: <laughs> well, good. You've had plenty of time to adapt and that is always one of the challenges of, of going abroad, new country, new language, new culture. So we'll dive into that in a second. What job do
1: you have over there? Do you want my job as it is from the start? Well, tell us from the start. So um, this job I'd been offered... Um, about two years ago, and then I ended up going elsewhere, and then it, it opened back up again just as I was leaving. Um, Korea, and then I applied, got the job again, came here. Um, last last November, so um, basically I'm I'm working for a, a board of education technically, um, and they placed me at a, a middle school, um, so that means working with the football club at the schools just. It's not age group. It's, it's um, just a mix of whoever wants to join the club. So there are only three year groups, um, and it's about thirteen years old to, to fifteen, um. So I was doing just that, and then uh, as my main coaching role, um, and then about since about June time, I've been in with a local university as well, um, coaching in with the the D team.
0: Yeah. What initially appealed to you about what, the role? about Japan
1: and about even Osaka? Um it was never anything specific to be honest about Japan or, or Osaka. Um when I was le- when I was finishing up uni I I just to be to be honest wanted to get out of Scotland. I knew that I had to get coaching hours. Um I didn't want to have to work a normal job um to to be able to facilitate coaching hours. So I knew that to have the opportunity I had to leave um and it would be good for me as well. So basically I was just scouring online for jobs. Um came across this job when I was still at uni, applied obviously was offered it, blah blah blah. I've said that. Um, and then yeah, I, I I knew that I knew that it would be a, a solid like job given I was working for a, a local like board of education. So there wouldn't be any of the kind of contract or money problems or, or anything like that. So I knew that that part of my life would be solid. Um, and then on the coaching side, I knew that I was going to be able to work with an age group that I was interested in um, and with uh, more of a direct impact on it um, as opposed to what I'd been uh, experiencing before. So I knew that it was going to be a challenge. And, of course, the obvious one, for me is is the language. So I had no prior interest in Japanese, not even didn't know anything about Japanese language or anything. Obviously, no Konichiwa and Sensei, right? Because like everyone knows those two words. Um, but other than that, I had no interest. Um, but I knew that coming here was going to give me the the chance to jump into a new language um, and really go for it. Cause I knew that. It does change your experience abroad once you start getting into the language and you can connect better with people. So and then from there, um, kind of understanding the 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 way that things are in Osaka compared to other areas of Japan. It's very different in the way that people are, um, and the way they speak and the way that they act, and it's a lot more kind of laid back. Um, so initially no real interest. Um and the country itself but obviously i knew that coming here i was going to find naturally the things that i was going to like to do and see and stuff so how have you been getting on with the language from day 1 of my quarantine i i was on a uh, an online site um japanese pod 101 um just hammering that out to be honest um, lesson after lesson in my room and quarantine in the hotel, just talking and just saying the things, whatever. It sounds funny thinking back on it now, but um and I was absolutely terrified to even say good evening in Japanese to the, the hotel staff when I was going down for um food and stuff. Um so to think back on that and then where I am now, um I've I think I've come a long way, but I know that there's loads. There's loads and loads and levels ahead of me to, to get to kind of a great standard, a good standard. So, um, I'd say I'm doing good, but um, I know that I need to do better.
0: What
1: would be some of the difficulties
0: associated with learning or or speaking Japanese, particularly because it's it's such a very different language from our European languages that it must be hard to wrap
1: your head around some of the grammar. And even some of the pronunciation. Pronunciation, I I, I mean I, I was coming here with reference from Korea. And Korea there the pronunciation there's a lot harder. And it's a lot you, you get a, you get less leeway with the pronunciation there. Here the pronunciation's actually all right. And uh the grammar from day one I just said, well, it's not the same as English, so don't even compare it to English, just let your brain absorb it and the structure and that's helped me um personally but the challenges to learning it and I think uh, culturally the people people can be a bit kind of like they say in Japanese like there's a wall between you and the other person that's not just me that's Japanese to Japanese people and getting kind of close to people is difficult Um, so as a learner you want to have obviously regular conversation practice and The opportunity to use what you've been learning. Um, so I'd say that to learn it, that's the hard. That's probably the hardest thing because your opportunities are limited. Um, for me, I've been lucky that when I was pitched up at my school when I first got there, no one spoke English, not one of the boys, and I and I was taking them on my own. So, you know, I I had the opportunity there to sound like an idiot, but use the stuff that I've been learning and just keep like obviously repeating stuff and being able to, to speak eventually, um, coherently, um, that they could understand. I don't think many people have the same opportunity um, nor the necessity to do so. And I think that's been huge for me, but I'd say the challenge is always going to be like your opportunity to actually speak um, and, and use what you've been learning. Um, I think. For I know we're on a football podcast here, but like I, I'd say like your your language. It's funny, like the language that you're learning is the last thing you want to speak in sometimes, um, yeah. and 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 I think that you need to get over it. And uh, the the way to do that is just make just accept you're going to sound silly, and eventually you're not going to. So I think that that's where that's where my mind's been with it. Yeah,
0: I can relate to that. I. I want to get it perfect and yet from a coach's point of view you've got to realize that mistakes are part of the process mistakes are not the opposite direction to the failure it's actually a step along the way yeah Uh, so are not the opposite direction to success idiot sorry you have to fail lots of times yeah in order to then have that that success so immersion is what you've experienced and it must uh it must make your brain tired because several years ago I did a, a week intensive English course in Poland hmm. and for about 12 hours a day they would make all of the Polish people pair up with all of the English speakers hmm. and just be constant conversations and games in English. At the end of the day, all the English speakers would go to the bar, we'd uh, eat food, we'd talk, we'd socialise, we'd play pool, listen to music, just relax. The Polish had to go to bed because they were so tired because Hmm. they would have been working so hard to understand the world in that different language. So from your point of view, did it help not having many people around who spoke English? And and that that immersion kind of allowed you to to fail and get it wrong so many times that you could then uh, get so
1: much valuable practice in? I think um, 100%. And I think I'm not going to lie and say like, Oh, it's so easy, just rocking up and not knowing anything and then just learning like of course it isn't <clears throat> um, and I think, having lived in Korea and knowing where my shortfalls were with with that language i knew I knew what I had to do this time um, and I knew that I had to use it, and I had to like put myself in the scenario to use it, so that chance to speak to people and be forced to speak maybe if I'd never lived anywhere before I would have I would have completely like like got I would have um been scared of it or it would have made me feel intensely uncomfortable um and of course I felt uncomfortable using it you don't even want to say hello because you don't want to sound wrong you don't want to say goodbye because you don't want to make it sound wrong and you're thinking about it. you're rerunning that same one word through your head five times, ten times before you even say it, um, because you don't want to sound wrong. Um, yeah, I got over that a lot, a lot quicker than I would have done if I hadn't been immersed. Um, don't get me wrong; I still play sentences through my head before I even speak them, one hundred percent. But it's not. I don't. <laughs> I don't care much for how it ends up coming out because as long as the person understands what i'm talking about um and i think that yeah being immersed early early doors was um was obviously beneficial but i wouldn't sit here and say that i'm superhuman and i could have done it without any prior experience that would would allow me to help me do it this time i needed probably that Reality check from before to to then put me in the right place this time round. So,
0: are there many English speakers there at all?
1: There are two English teachers working at the school, and obviously the the Japanese teachers who are speak who are teaching English they can speak English, but the rest no, and they don't tend to strike up a conversation with you anyway. so even even the English speaking teachers don't really communicate. so um, but the guys who are do the foot, who, I, who are involved with the football club at the school don't speak any English so that was in a way yeah perfect for me now because it's just constant practice but
0: we'll dive into that one a bit more later on because I've got some questions I could ask you around that about how to integrate into society and how to talk to people. But for now, let's go a little bit on the football infrastructure. How does football work in Japan?
1: Lately, um, hasn't always been like this. Lately, there have been loads of private academies popping up that are Japanese-run, Japanese coaches, blah, blah, blah. They... Consume or take most of the bulk of young children probably from, I'd say five to five to fifteen, sixteen before they go into high school. Um, as with other East Asian countries that I've, China, Korea, Japan, that I've heard about or seen myself, um, at the high school age they either knuckle down with the studies, and or pay it with a sport, um. So in this case, the private academies pretty much take those children up to that point and then there's more of a draw to be part of a good high school team because you don't have to do high school in Japan. So <clears throat> if you choose to go to high school, if you're good at football or you like football, you're probably going to try and join a team that are, that are like a high school that are a good have a good football team and kids will go traveling like an hour and a half to high school every day, no problem. And that's not just for sports. They all do high school entrance exams in order to get in a good high school to then go to a good university. And it's all, that's the end goal for a lot of people is to get in a good uni. Even if your degree is not great, just get a good uni and then you'll get a good job after. So <clears throat> a lot of people will try and go to a specific high school. um, And from high school, if they're good at football still, if they're good enough, they'll join a good university club. From university, they will join a pro club. It's kind of like the American system, but of course, yeah. pro clubs like J League 1, they have their own academy going from children's stuff to, to, the, to the top, um, up into the first team. Um, as you go down the leagues, those things don't really exist. It's more just community football programs that they're doing. Um. And hence your need for the university club teams to produce Japanese professional footballers, which is why you've got, for example, at Celtic now, a guy playing uh, in the middle of the park that's only been a pro for like two years, because he, and he's 24 years old. So, you know, he's been at university till he's 22, so he's been playing there. So you get some, you know, obviously when he was at uni, he was pro level, so like you've got some serious talent in the universities. Um, so yeah, that's basically how it works. um. And as I said, pro clubs have their own academies, but I would say that the bulk of production of talent is coming from that system of high school to uni to pro. That's a really interesting system. Uh...
0: Do you find then there's a bit of struggle when it comes to parents or society in general valuing education so highly that it potentially impacts sporting performance or even possibility to pursue a career in sport?
1: Uh, I'm worried about burnout, to be honest. Um and there's something kind of unique to Japan that doesn't necessarily exist in other places, not that I know of. Um, and it's in the junior high schools, which is what I work in. Middle school, junior high school, whatever you wish to call it. Um, <clears throat> basically, it's a necessity that there's a an after school club. Um, at every school, so teachers are obligated then to to take a club, even if they're not necessarily like qualified to coach the sport or anything. They just they take a club and it's free sports for children. Um and it means that they're they're active. Um and it's a good thing if it wasn't burdening teachers so much because they already do crazy hours and have a crazy amount of tasks. So me being there kind of relieves a bit of that burden um, for our club, but there's still a tennis club, basketball, you name it, right? So I think they value sports highly as well as education and I think if you're going to a private university especially then you're going to get the oh, oh, oh like that and people value the university you went to probably more than what you know or what you actually did at university it's more just what university did you go to so I think people are training so hard to get to these Unis, for example, are training so hard to get to a good high school, training so hard to get to a good uni, that if it's not managed properly, then the players, by the time they are of that age, could start they're facing fatigue and muscle injury and stuff along those lines. And that's the kind of thing where I think, well, you know, it needs to be managed properly if you want to train as much as that. And especially let sometimes just let children be children, and that's where I think that kind of viewpoint is not it isn't it doesn't exist here. Like the whole like let children be children. I'll give an example. Uh you'll have like um someone I know who's little brothers, like ten ten years old. And um I said like, Oh, why they play why they playing piano? It's Saturday night, why do they get a Saturday night lesson? Oh, they're free on Saturday nights and I was like <laughs> so let them be free then like let them be a child I, I, so for that for that example um I would say yeah it's just a it's just a classic case of if you're not learning or doing something along those lines if you're not going to sleep at 10 a.m and waking up at 5 a.m then you're not doing enough like like that kind of thing um, so you need to be on the go all the time if that's education, sports or other extracurricular stuff there has to be something um, that you're doing um, and I think my again, my, another, my worry is let children be children but from their perspective from people that I know of anyway there's nothing wrong happening like there's nothing bad happening and even the children don't know any better so that is being a child to them. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, if everyone around you is doing it, then you don't know that it's a,
0: a different way. So you don't you don't kind of get that perspective, do you? So let's talk about you as a coach. How has
1: going to Japan benefited your coaching? Um I think there will come on a language again just having a limited selection of words kind of helps you realize that you don't need to say too much and that was something I learned in Korea as well which is like you you need to really pick your words properly and I think that's something I left Korea and was in Scotland for three months after and I went and did a bit of coaching while I was there my communication and my the quickness of my instruction it just went like completely it went a lot faster. Now I can use as many words to speak whatever I want because I'm speaking to English native English speakers when I'm back home. But I found that I didn't need to because I learned that I didn't have to because when you t- when you can't, you're forced to use enough and enough is enough and if that makes sense. So I've taken that again into Japan and then tried to develop that. I think um development as a coach, uh I've been able to see how how other like nations do football training and how they like how the application that players have to the sport is very different. Um as I said, it might be difficult to, to get uh, a young group of maybe grassroots players or whatever up for every single session, blah, blah, blah. Um, So you need to be really creative. In Japan, it's just almost a given that they're going to go absolutely 100%. And it's, it's kind of like, how do you make a balance between that? Because I don't want to drop my level of creativity to keep motivation high, but I would also like it if I could go back home, and players could go one hundred percent all the time. But we can't actually make that happen, like you know what I mean. So <clears throat> it's interesting to see the different perspectives and try and then find some sort of middle ground. Um, and I think again, yeah, that also leads into session design. I think again, if you appear in the first two points, if you can go into huge, huge detail, then you have to find other ways to make it clear to the players about what it is you want to do and want, what you want to see and how you want to develop things. And I think if you can't explain with words, you can explain through the design of your session. Um, And I think that that's developed since I've been here Um, and probably again from Korea as well. Um, the sad part is I don't work alongside a lot of coaches. Um, so I don't get to like bounce ideas off other people um, and, and try and like develop together practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's the one kind of drawback from my experience so far that I would like to maybe uh, make maybe make an improvement on that. Just trying to get in and around coaches more. So how has being in Japan benefited you as a person? Um, growing up, probably I I don't know. Like when I, when I left after I finished my degree and I went to South Korea, I learned obviously a lot about myself at that point. Um, and you know some testing circumstances that maybe others might attest to as well. And and I think that it does it does make you see a different side to things. And um, I wasn't so wet behind the ears. At all, not, and I know that myself, but I know that there was there were still many things that I hadn't really experienced before, and then coming here to Japan, it made me realize that you can't like you can't take one experience and expect the next one to be the same and then so even though the two countries that are very very close to each other geographically, I think in the early days, I was just expecting. Everything to be like Korea again and like uh oh, and then you you realise no there are differences. But I think beyond that kind of cultural thing, um, I think as a person, uh, moving abroad and especially up to this point, uh, has made me do more adult stuff than I probably would have had to have done if I'd stayed at home and um, till this point. And made me kind of realize like that. Who I want to be around and and all that, all those kind of personal things as well, um. Which I think if you if you just stay in the same bubble, then you never quite realize these things, or you might realize it later on, um. But I've had to do things at an early age that that maybe I wouldn't have done if I'd just stayed. Not saying that staying at home and building up your career and life there is not a good thing. I just for me, I was never going to be able to. Truly discover new stuff about myself and in the world if if I was just going to stay in the same town or the same city um, that I was in when it, from growing up. So
0: going abroad does put you in a position way outside of your comfort zone, and it, it removes the safety <laughs> net. So you, you have to adapt to it in ways you you can't do back home because you've got people that care about you around you all the time, places that you know. Uh, you're allowed to make mistakes. Uh, you never have to take a
1: leap of faith there, whereas abroad you're you're very much stuck. I would say that as well. Um, so when I went to Korea, the first thing first was a kind of countryside place that we were living in, and then but I had other people living with me. So you know, it, it, you still have some sort of like community, if you like. You still have like a you still have people that you can share these experiences with who know what you're going through and then i moved to seoul and i was living myself but again you're living in a metropolis so you can't not have activity around you you're constantly surrounded if you want to go get food or whatever you can occupy yourself i came to japan and i'm back in a countryside place but this time around i'm not living with people i'm on my own Uh, so everything has to be driven by me and Therefore, I need to find different ways of like. Whereas before, I could share all my experiences with with people I was living with, and we could all like you kind know, of, you know, vent to each other. I've had to find ways of like, getting through each day with with ease, um, which I don't think is easy, especially when when you first get somewhere like this. I mean, I've said this to many people. My. In my apartment, and and so you could be in the convenience store in thirty seconds. Of leaving from here, it's fifteen minutes. So if that's any kind of like indication of of how how much there isn't really much around, um, then it kind of shows like, oh, you really need to be independent now. Like you really need to to find ways to stimulate yourself and and. And stimulate your mind. Um, otherwise, it, it could it could be tough if you let it be.
0: Hmm. All right. So, I want to pull on, on some of these threads because they link into the stuff I want to know. Uh, I've seen a few documentaries and read a lot of articles about social life in Japan. And <clears throat> this is where I potentially get into misconceptions because of, of uh, social media and the way things are reported. But I watched a documentary where you had. Uh, people that were single would rent a boyfriend or a girlfriend mm-hmm. to pretend to be with them for the day when they visited their family or particularly uh, grandparents. So I think there was another one where uh, people would provide a service where they would go be someone's grandkid for a day, like an adult adult grandkid that would go spend time with the, the grandparents. Mm-hmm. So is that stuff going on and how difficult then is it to actually integrate in society when when you're reading things like uh, most not most but there's a, a growing number of Japanese people are getting into their their thirties without having a serious boyfriend or girlfriend and they have to go to some real extreme measures to actually not just meet people but pluck up the courage to even say hello or to speak with someone outside of a professional setting does does that happen and if so, like more um, of the same
1: renting, a, the renting a, a a partner thing, um, it could be going on. Uh thankfully it's, it's an issue I've never had to <laughs> to take on. Uh but it could be going on. It's not something I've heard of though. Um but you do have bars and stuff here where um you you could go in there and pay a get like pay a, a man or a, a woman to to sit with you for for uh an hour or two and tell you you're beautiful and all this stuff and they'll and you have to buy them drinks and they just sit with you and humour you basically, um, that's a thing I've never heard of the grandchildren thing but the um I think the general to put you in the picture the the general working attitude in life here is like well if the boss hasn't left yet then we're not leaving so people end up leaving. People end up in work. The teachers in my school who leave the school at like 11, 12 p.m. Uh, 12 a.m., sorry, 12 a.m., 11 p.m., 12 a.m., sometimes longer, especially if it's a, a busier period, and they've been coming in at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning. Imagine trying to have a some sort of like dating life or social life in that setting. So I think that definitely plays a part. People say here at Unity, find your life in, in, uh, in university because when you're working, you won't have time to date people or have a social life. Now, of course, that doesn't account for everyone, but I think it's, it's not a stereotype. It's genuinely what I see every single day. It's what we kind of joke about as well, like, about like oh, we see the lights on. We we are out around in the street or whatever, going from a bar to another place, Um. And you see the lights on in an office, and they are like, "Oh, why are the lights on? Oh, they'll still be working in there." Like that kind of joke, um. But it's true, and uh, there's another kind of stereotype that um, that's very much alive in Japan that guys are very shy and don't really have the courage to talk to women, um, and. Therefore, that's why the birth rate goes down and all that stuff. So, I think, yeah, these things do exist. I don't know how, I don't know about the dating, uh, what you said, renting a, a boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't know about that, but I have seen it, um, here that guys are very shy, not just with um, trying to have a relationship just socially in general and it kind of comes back as well to the whole like you don't want to let people get too close and stuff thing so that's added into the mix so people will often have a conversation with me and I'm not saying again my Japanese isn't amazing but we can have a conversation and they'll do the typical like oh yeah we should definitely like meet up again and I know I'm never going to hear from this person ever again like you know so is um these things, these are kind of cultural things that exist that probably have that lead to what you just explained. I haven't seen the rent a rent a partner thing though. No. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'll
0: see if I can I can find it and and send it on to you. Now, uh, well, because we're talking about social lives, have you felt welcome? Have you felt? safe included and and what kind of things are you able to do for fun
1: if you're able to go out and make friends and keep busy um I, I i i feel obviously i feel i feel welcome feel safe it's a very safe country people are happy to see me i think obviously i, I realize what i look like and what kind of certain features i have that make me maybe welcome better than maybe someone else would be so I'm well aware of that and kind of privilege that I hold um when someone sees me they they want to talk to me and uh, and or they want to say hello so I can walk down the street and I don't know anyone who I don't know who they are and I just get loads of hellos if I, if I walk down the street back home and so, so suddenly just random people started shouting at me it would be a de- very very different scene um so i think in that sense um it does put your alertness levels right down living somewhere like this it does worry me but when i go back home someone starts shouting at me i'm going to say oh hi <laughs> different situation um socially uh do get yeah? I mean, you do get accepted from people, and I think if I have had the situation where I've been in a bar in Osaka, and and guys have came over, they want to talk. They're just interested in in you, where you've come from, etc. And then they'll pay your bill, stuff like that, um, <laughs> because they they feel like oh, this is so cool to like speak to you. Um, I'm not gonna like say that there's a kind of like foreign thing as well. Uh, of course that exists, but I try not to focus too much on that. It's not that heavy and um I think it's more paranoia that people get caught up in all that kind of like us versus them, Japan, Japanese versus foreigners kind of thing. I think for the most part they're just happy to see um that other people can come here and, and enjoy Japan. Um I think and that's 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 how I've seen it so far.
0: What are the living standards like over there? It's
1: more expensive than Korea was, certainly from what I've heard about China. Totally, it's much more expensive. The payments for like the salary and stuff for this kind of job is fine. Um, it it's probably on par again with those countries. Um, so if you're thinking about East Asia in general, say Japan's, Japan's more expensive, but you're probably going to get paid the same, if not less, but it's not, it's still livable. Food and drinks, fairly cheap. I, I'm on about stuff because my head is in yen now. So, but if I ever go and compare it to pound, the town, then I'm like, oh wait, no, 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 Japan's all right. If you want to book a hotel, it's not going to cost you a hundred pounds or something. So, um, that kind of in that kind of sense, yeah, it's good. The transports more expensive than Korea was, but it's reliable. You're never going to have. I'm saying that today's train was ten minutes delayed, but you're not usually going to have a, a late any late transport. And it's little things like that that don't ruin your day, um, like they might do in other countries. Um, living standards. Um, there's. Certainly, a lot less poverty, um, well, visible poverty, i.e., homelessness and and things that that when I was in Glasgow first was pretty bad. Um, you can't walk down the main city centre without seeing homelessness and and that kind of bad situation going on. You don't uh, in Glasgow, you don't really see it that much in Osaka. Um, which, if it's any indication should make it should mean that it's a bit better in that sense i'm not saying people don't struggle of course they do um but um in that sense yeah i i'd say it's pretty comfortable to live here um if you're on of course if you're in a job that's paying you like a mid or an average salary it's pretty easy to live here
0: So, final question if someone reaches out to you because they're considering taking a role in Japan, what advice would you give to
1: them? Um I would say jump into the language early as possible. Um it's going to be very different for you when you when you come here. Um if you come here. Um so I would say embrace it, don't challenge it. Um just come with an open mind. I think that's a general um piece of advice I would give for anyone who's gonna go abroad anywhere is um, have an open mind. Specific to Japan, uh, don't expect people to have long-term relationships or um, friendships with you or come to you and want to be close to you very quickly. Um, There's a real culture around um, keeping distance and that is shown even in the language that they use. You use different language with different people. to almost, without saying it directly, you're basically saying, oh, we are not close, so we don't speak to each other like we would if we were close. So the full structure of the language changes, um, which you'll, you'll come across. Um, I would say uh, in Japan that the, if you're a, a food person, um, there are different dishes that you can try. If you're a spicy food person, then you're probably not going to encounter many um i feel like little bars and stuff that are uh traditional places everywhere um that that people are that are quite popular in japan and uh, and as for football which is what we're talking about um the last thing for football um no matter what level you go and watch in japan you're probably going to see a good game the reason for that is um technically across the across the board players are pretty good. So if you go down the leagues, it doesn't necessarily change the technical ability. Just the more you go up the leagues, the more dynamic or different the games can be. Um, but I would say that from the top to the to the non-league uh, Japanese football is pretty good. Um, a pretty good standard. And if you're going to get involved in any clubs, I would say again just be wary that. Um, they're not gonna look at you as like this foreign messiah that maybe other countries would. Um, and I would say that if you'd experienced that, and I know that's a was a is rife in America, for example, or, or China. Um, I would say don't expect that to happen because they see their own structures and their own coach education and their own coaching as good enough and they don't there's a reason why you won't find many jobs in japan because they don't necessarily feel the need to hire foreign coaches um so i would say in that sense find another way to be marketable as a person as a coach and find other ways of networking and don't and be just be humble about it and don't expect things to come to you because like they might do in another country where where they have that kind of attitude Um, And I think, yeah, the coaching side, you're going to see some interesting practices, some intense repetition, which is why you end up having uh, leagues with technical players. Um, I would say that even though you want to change that, even though you want to overhaul the training, um, you're going to have to do it bit by bit if you want to change anything and accept that you're not going to be able to change some things. Um, because as I'd mentioned earlier in this, with the whole childhood thing, with the way that children don't know that they're living a childhood that's different to ours, they don't have any clue about it. Players also don't really realise that they're training in a different way to other people because they don't have much exposure to the other methods. Of course they can watch teams and training online, but um in general, you coming in and changing it even though you might think this is boring or uninteresting, they are not uninterested, they are not bored by this. And that's something that you would have to really consider about how you would like to implement new ideas um, and how you can kind of bind the two aspects together. So I think, yeah, football-wise, it's a really, really interesting country, really good landscape, really good uh, infrastructure there um, and really good opportunity to, to, to coach good players um, but that adding that kind of creativity, match mind to them, um, is the hardest part for someone coming in to Japan. I would say.
0: Brilliant advice a lot of uh, real useful information there. Thank you very, very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Thank you to Liam for coming on. We want to have the whole world covered. So, if there's somewhere you'd like to come talk about, be our guest. We'd love to interview you to help expand our coaching horizon.